Your struggles in vain, my lady, as man is now and shall ever be dominant over woman and I. I'm specimen of manhood and therefore clearly dominant over you. Go soak with your head. It swells beyond measure. Aye, and proudly. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now, this is going to take several years, as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are and even if you have some trivia to disclose. Our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com and we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's get started. Hello and welcome to a new season of Moonlighting the Podcast for 2024. Shauna and I hope that all our listeners have had a wonderful Christmas break and a happy New Year celebration. We are both rip-roaring and ready to go this year with more episodes, more interviews and of course some more bonus episodes. And to my lovely podcast partner Shauna, I could say that I've missed talking to you about Moonlighting, but that would not be true because even though the podcast has been on a break, we have been continuously communicating and talking about Moonlighting. And today we will be reviewing the epic episode that is Atomic Shakespeare, Season 3, Episode 7. Okay, we're finished. (laughs) Thanks, Grace. Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. No, no, no. Grace, we are back. We are back and we are back. It's been a lovely break through the holidays and into the new year, but it's time and we've got a big episode to talk about today. Can you believe that they did Big Man and Atomic kind of back to back, but we know they weren't exactly filmed in that order. But um, Mm. so as we discussed on the previous podcast, they filmed Big Man, then they filmed All Creatures. That's right. But All Creatures aired before Big Man. That's correct. Yep. And then they did Atomic. So, wow, that's just two really big episodes. I mean, how big was season three? Two really big episodes back to back. I'm so impressed. And even All Creatures is such a great episode too, you know? I mean, do all of those (laughs) right at the same time is just amazing to me. Kudos to all involved to take on those big projects with the dance sequence. If you've ever watched the commentary for Atomic Shakespeare, you know what a long and arduous process that was to, to film this episode. How many days, Grace? Do you remember? Honestly, October and November of 1986 must have been absolutely horrendous. Two major episodes, Big Man on Mulberry Street and Atomic Shakespeare within a month of each other. I mean, the talent and the creativity and the effort. I could not possibly imagine the work involved. 
But to answer your question, they shot for 11 days, but within the 11 days, there was five days of second unit. But as Jay has explained, it's actually 11 days, but because they had a second unit that did another five days, within those 11 days, it's technically 16 days that they filmed. Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) And he does go on to explain that he did the B unit and Will McKenzie did the A unit, but it was pretty much like another A unit. It was that big because when they had Sybil, Sybil, uh, Bruce would be with the other unit. And when they had Bruce, Sybil would go to the other unit. So um, they began shooting on the 7th of November, 1986 on stage 15 at 20th Century Fox. Uh, They were supposed to start on October 28, two weeks earlier, but Sybil was ill. Um, And we have already discussed that through Big Man on Mulberry Street. She was ill from the 27th to the 3rd of November. So they had to shut down. But... Once they filmed Atomic Shakespeare, they had a specific air date to meet, so they had two units running. Jay does say he feels that this is the toughest episode that they had to shoot, and he says that Dream Sequence would come a close second. That's how he remembers it. It was filmed at um, the Fox lot, but also at the back lot at Universal Studios, which is Padua. I think the air date that they wanted was Thanksgiving, to have a new episode on a holiday. I guess they're thinking family viewing. Yeah, mm. it looks like a huge undertaking. Really? I mean, it's almost felt like a movie. So it aired on the 25th of November 1986. It was directed by Will McKenzie and obviously also Jay Daniel, written by Jeff Reno and Ron Osborne and Shakespeare, of course, as well. We'll give him a little bit of credit in there. <laughs> um, yeah. Special guests Kenneth McMillan, who played Baptista, Cole Meany, who was one of the suitors. Uh, Frank Collison played one of the townsmen and Hap Lawrence was the Western Union messenger. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I'm not sure who the bishop was. There's a credit for Rob Wickstrom, but I'm not sure who that is. Um, IMDB have Hap Lawrence as the bishop, but he was not the bishop. He was the messenger. So would you like to begin, Shauna? Sure. So let me begin by saying uh, when this episode first aired, and I remember tuning in because we were just coming off a big man and a big development for the relationship of Maddie and David. I remember tuning in and going, what is this (laughs) and why? You know, when I saw, you know, the Shakespearean and they did say it was a low rated episode, you know, the people tuned in and, you know, I don't think people got that at first, you know, and It just seemed to me it interrupted the flow of their relationship development, which, you know, of course, that's why all of us Noonies um, ultimately tune in. But with time, I mean, I think this is one of, you know, aside from like, well, dream sequence would probably be another one that I watch a lot. I put this one on all the time and especially with the commentary. So it's become one of my favorite episodes. So my feeling about this episode has really changed over the years. And I really appreciate it and the dialogue and yeah, everything they did to put it together and stuff like that. But Yes. When it originally aired, I specifically remember just being kind of angry about it, you know, because it was so out of left field. But anyway, I see what they were doing now. Yeah. So a little bit of a different opening here. Um, You know, we have the regular Moonlighting titles and then we come into um, it's a television. It looks like Moonlighting is about to start. And then we've got a mother and son interacting. He can't watch Moonlighting because he needs to study Shakespeare. (laughs) Yeah. I love all the, the dialogue about it's moonlighting. You know, they argue and they really just want to sleep together. <laughs> but it's moonlighting. Moonlighting? 
Yeah, you know, the show about the two detectives, a man and a woman. And they argue a lot and all they really want to do is sleep together. Yeah. Is that something you would say to your son, really? <laughs> yeah, you know, and this kid didn't look that old either. I mean, was he 12 or something like that? That was pretty funny. But don't you love the hand acting? The hand acting, yes. <laughs> yeah, we never see uh, these people's, we only see the hands and from about the uh, chest down on both of them. Kind of uh, cute and different. Um, but we don't know who plays the mother and son, right? Did no. you ever? I tried to research that and they are not credited at all anywhere. So I'd love yeah. to know who they were. Yeah, they probably would have used actors, but they could have been anybody. Would have been nice if they were one of the wives or kids of the crew members, but we don't know. If anybody knows, let us know. I always like kids' jeans, the role, how they're like pegged over and rolled up because that was just so the style at the time. Oh, yeah. I always like that yeah so and his t-shirt too ohio all-star wrestling team i know i wonder what that's an homage to i bet it's a reference to somebody yeah yeah it's got to be a reference to somebody yep yep i like his taming of the shrew book i know that was a really good prop yeah that's not a book i got issued in school (laughs) a lovely version of the shakespeare book (laughs) yeah he's got like a a nice authentic version Mm. You know what annoys me all the time with her apron? Aprons, to me, I've got to cover the top half. There's no use having it around your waist because that's not going to stop the oil splatter all over your top. (laughs) I've never understood those. I guess those kind of aprons are maybe just to, like, wipe your hands on or something. But, yeah, you're (laughs) right. You know? Yes, it's very like leave it to beaver. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) They focus on the book and and the uh, kid opens it and we've got Atomic Shakespeare title reference, just kind of explosive Shakespeare, right? I think in our book we said um, Shakespeare on steroids kind of thing. Yes. And I like when he starts turning the pages, we see the guest stars, Kenneth McMillan. Yeah, I've put here that I thought it was a great way to introduce all the cast and crew by him turning the book. Fantastic. It was just a great idea. And the same as when the mother turns the TV off. Even at the start, the special effects they had to do to have the credits in the TV. I know. Apparently that was a feat as well. And also the spelling of Bert's name changes. He's B-E-R-T here. And and it's a wonderful job. It goes back to B-U-R-T, I believe. He's got a nice page to himself there, Curtis Armstrong. Um, And it's got on the book from an idea by William Budd Shakespeare. I saw that. So what's the bud? Was that his nickname? I tried. To... I feel like I have seen that somewhere before, but there's a question. Mm. All right. So then we've got a great transition from an image in the book to the town square in Padua, Italy, which is set in 1593, or just an incredible facsimile. <laughs> yes. They had to throw that in. That was funny. I have been to this part of the Universal Backlight. You probably have too. You probably drove I, past it. Maybe Actually, I probably have too and I didn't realize. Back yeah. in 2015 and 16, went twice. Mm. Yeah. I have a picture of the uh, staircase that they fall down in our episode guidebook. And can I just say from the start that our Zounds What Mounds girl is strategically placed in so many scenes. Have you noticed that through the episode? <laughs> yes. Yep, we got to find out who this girl is, who she was. You know, I think we kind of know, but <laughs> because what we've discussed before, so the Zounds, what Mounds girl 
possibly in the sun also rises the girl that points into the back of the church definitely in yours very deadly bruce touches her face and moves down the hallway she's in this she's in um episodes up until blonde on blonde and then she kind of disappears and then so. she's, she's gone that's it very interesting yes yeah and we need to get to the bottom of that one mm. yes very strategically placed she was someone very special at the time mm. So there's heaps of times she's like in the opening scene, she's there with, you know, basting her little piggy. Then she's behind Kenny McMillan a lot of times. In the church, she gets her own cut. Yeah. Considering she's not a, a real character in the show, except for later on when he plants one on her. But apart from that. <laughs> yeah. And it is, uh, to be fair, you know, we don't know like all the ins and outs. But if people watch the commentary, Bruce and Sybil and Jay and Glenn are alluding to like Bruce was dating her at the time. Yeah. Oh, there she is. One of the office work. Oh my God, that's her? One of the office work. Oh my God. She was in the office woman in the third year. How many office workers did you have that year? I have any of them. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. So we see Curtis coming down from the top right-hand side of the screen, walking through the square. Looks like he's just arrived in town. And he's so sociable and wants to get to know all the townsfolk. And I'm Lucentio. And he approaches a man with children who are watching a juggler juggle some apples. Good morrow, sir. I am Lucentio. Come hither for to see fair Padua, pleasant garden of great Italy to seek out and happily begin a course of learning and studies herein. <laughs> I've already got a headache. Can you imagine trying to learn these lines? I know. I know. I think about that. Like it would be daunting to be handed a script. Like we're doing this next week. I mean, people will plan for months for like a Shakespeare play or something like that. And watching them just do that, like Sybil and Bruce and, and Curtis and everybody just saying the dialogue, like they're so talented. But they really made it look easy. They I know. It very oh fluent, God. didn't it? It did. That's why I'm always amazed. It's like, how do you learn this in a week? I and mean, you just came off a big man and you did all creatures in between. And now this week you have to do Shakespeare and, 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 yeah. Oh. So I thank Sybil for like having some sick days in there, you know. You've mistaken me for someone who careth. <laughs> I know. That's and probably, Poor Lucentio. Yeah, he's like being so friendly and he's like new in town. He's trying to meet people and talk to them and everybody's like so rude to him. One other thought that I always have when the kids are standing there and they're watching the juggler, the girl in the middle, she looks like she could be Agnes's daughter. Oh, really? Yeah, she looks so much like Agnes. Yeah, you gotta look at her. So he walks over to another townsman who looks like he needs a toothpick, and that is Frank Collison. And in the commentary, you hear Bruce go, yeah. Whoa, whoa, that dude, man, that's Frank uh, Collison. Are you kidding me? That is Frank Collison. I, I've done three movies with that guy now. Wow. He's in whole 10 yards. Unbelievable. As an extra. And six degrees of Bruce Willis. He was in The Last Boy Scout. He played Pablo. And he was in The Whole Ten Yards. He played Strabo. But if you're a Star Trek fan, he was in uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine and also in The Next Generation. I wonder if he met up with Cole Meany because Cole Meany was in uh, Star Trek as well. But anyway, that's Frank Collison. Yeah, he's off to floss. I'm off to floss. <laughs> I love how they mix modern things with Padua. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like they had floss back then. So he goes over to another guy and he ignores him too. And then he says, is it my fault I get stuck with all the exposition? <laughs> I love all the uh, asides. You know. 
fourth wall I, stuff. You know what? I really love his outfit. It's really cute. And I love his velvet bag over his shoulder. And his hat. Oh, the costume design was in this was just fabulous. I'll talk about that later. But, yeah, he looks good. Then he notices Fabianca in the window. Yep. And he sees Fabianca. And I like um, that Bianca, you know, like Agnes always kind of plays that secondary, like, I'm not as attractive. I'm not as wanted. I'm not, you know. But here, she has a lot of suitors. And I like that, you know. Yes. She is actually more desired because she has a better personality. And she, she's cute and everything. And yeah, yeah, it's like love at first sight for these. Like, you know, around her dad are standing tons of suitors that want her hand. But Katharina has to be married first. Yeah, I love that role reversal between Maddie and Agnes. <laughs> Even though they're not Maddie and Agnes. What soft, what light through yonder window breaks? It's a line from Romeo and Juliet. And apparently at the time, yeah. uh, Curtis was the only one that had done Shakespeare. But then Bruce did mention that he did some in college in the commentary. Remember he said, I did some in college. And Sybil was like, oh, you did some in college? Oh, uh, okay. Yep. But probably like officially, maybe like actually in a production. See, but Curtis, like they always say, he's just so committed to everything. Like he just makes everything look easy with acting, you know. But they're also talented. It's like. Oh, it's absolutely. You know what I found funny? The line is from Romeo and Juliet, right? which was published in 1597, but The Taming of the Shrew was written between 1590 and 1592. So how could Licentio know the line when it hadn't been written yet? (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Well, now it's like the mirror inside the mirror inside the mirror inside the mirror. (laughs) Oh, that does my head in. Don't give me a headache now, (laughs) Shauna. It's like, which came first, chicken or the egg? I mean, yeah. It's like, are we really back in... um, you got to love the 16th century. Yeah, I really love the close-ups of both of them. Like, it's love at first sight. But I really love how they've dressed them both. Their costumes are just beautiful, I think. They match their personality for the episode. So now there are all these men trying to get her attention and her affection, but the father shows up and sternly tells the men that they will not be able to get anywhere near his daughter as his eldest daughter, Katerina, must marry first. And he who weds Katerina lands a dowry one could cry for. I love how he says that <laughs> because he is the wealthiest man in Padua. And yeah. he goes, any takers? And they all walk off. And one of them says, what are you, nuts? <laughs> they're, oh. they're not going for Katerina. They want Bianca. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're all like mumbling and saying lots of stuff like, hell no. <laughs> one says, no way, Jose. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yes, I love those. Yeah, they're going back to the hall and yeah, they they leave immediately. So yeah, but it's, again, I just love that they're like vying for mm. um, the yeah. Agnes character. But you know what? The whole episode is so colourful. I love all the colours. Um, and all the, all the suitors are dressed in different colours. So good. It's all great, yeah. They did mention in the commentary as well that Kenny McMillan did have difficulty remembering his lines. So they had cue cards off camera. Yeah. He died yeah. three years later. Glenn and Bob Butler uh, did a TV movie with Kenny as well mm. previously, two years earlier. So they already knew him called Concrete Beat in 1984. And Jay was the producer on that movie. Mm. The other thing, um, you know, we'll talk about a lot about the commentary because I know we both watched it so many times, but, yeah. and it's like the only commentary just for anyone out there that hasn't seen the commentary. It's the only one that Bruce and Sybil do together with Jay and Glenn. So it, mm. it, that's great to hear that together. And just really fun to hear them talk about the episode in general. 
uh, and they give so much insight. But Bruce points out with something that I would never have noticed on my own that they filmed, you know, most of the Bianca and Lucentio at night. So we're going from day shots to night shots and, you know, the night shots are just lit really brightly, you know, mm -hmm. but once you know that <laughs> you, you can't, can't unsee it, Shauna, you can't unsee it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So you, you can definitely see like the coloring is a bit different in the night shots and stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting, yeah. um, but you know, some fun um, insight. Even when later, when um, Petruchio comes in on the horse, some of those cuts are in day, some are night and it's, yeah. Now that you know, you look at it, you think, oh, that's a night shot. That's it. You can see it. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't have noticed it. I never noticed that before he pointed that out. Yeah. And yeah, fall down the stairs later, they, they say that's at night. And yeah. So and the and other thing here Bruce mentions is that it was, you know, such a relief to get off the sound stage and to get outside. That's true. Yeah. Just being somewhere else for a few like days on end. Yeah. Like mm. at Universal must have been pretty fun. Especially being in another studio too, not necessarily the Fox lot. So. Yep. So, so Lucentio yeah. walks away pondering, you know, school and studies and may one day bring home the bacon. But no profit grows where there is no pleasure taken. Only <laughs> stands twixt me and I love how they say twixt instead of between. Yeah. Um, me and Bianca, one simple act of fate. Simple, I say. For how hard could it be to find Katerina a mate? <laughs> <clears throat> And then uh, one of the Wobblies, Jamie, she appears behind um, Lucentio in that cut as well. Yeah. Yeah. The Wobblies kind of, yeah, the office workers kind of start appearing and really appearing because someone's throwing them into the scene, Grace. <laughs> that's what they say in the commentary. They go, that's where the money went. Uh, and the stunts. That's where the money went. Yeah, so they're possible suitors that appear to show that Katerina has thrown them out of the house and... She's amazing, lifting three men and throwing them in the fountain. Strong lady, yeah. Shauna and I decided to put our heads together once again to see what else we could do for our favourite TV show, Moonlighting, and all the Moonlighting fans. Then, ba-bing, we get this idea. Why not write a book? We began putting pen to paper and came up with Moonlighting, an episode guide. It's everything you want to know about each and every episode. We asked Moonlighting creator, Glenn Gordon Caron, to write the foreword, and of course he replied, Do bears bear? Do bees bee? I think that was a yes. Just like our podcast, we go in chronological order and talk about each episode in detail, and we've also included some photos from our personal archives. We take a deep look into everything that made this show so unique, such as Agnes Rhymes and the full original music credits for each episode. Did Bruce Willis really slip an F-bomb past the censors? In which scenes are Sybil's sneakers visible? But wait, I've forgotten the most important thing. What's the total count on the door slams of the whole series? Well, you'll have to buy the book to find out. Go to tuckerdspress.com to purchase your book so that you can watch an episode, listen to the podcast, then read our review of the episode in the book. Phew, boy, have you got a lot of work to do. We will also place a link below in your show notes page of wherever you listen to your podcasts to purchase your book and keep it on hand because this is going to be your go-to reference for moonlighting. But what an appearance, hey? What an appearance Katerina makes. Total anger <laughs> as she runs towards the camera with a bat. And in the commentary, Glenn goes, where did you get that anger from? <laughs> I think you're being yeah. sarcastic there, Glenn. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, Sybil says, well, I don't know. I didn't have all that anger before I started this show. And where did you find all that anger? I don't Look know. I've that. never had a problem with it before this show. Remember when she talks to Roger Director about um, giving her scenes, you know, she can use her real life emotions for? Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. There were lots of things going on at the time, like we talked about in Big Man, which was right before this, you know, with uh, Sybil and Glenn and mm-hmm. a lot of behind the scenes strife and things like that. And yeah, we know she was sick before this maybe taking some days off who knows but anyway she's definitely comes in with a bang shall we say yeah and this is where colmini appears they explain that they have come to woo her not knowing that she was such a and he does say bitch he does say it but she he does say it yeah except she says enough the word enough over him yeah so she's really unhappy that they have come to woo her rats and three blind rats you're not as clearly you came to gawk at me we only just arrived to woo and bewitch having no advanced knowledge that you'd be such a enough clearly you have come to gawk at me she looks absolutely beautiful in this hardly any makeup and she's still beautiful love her hair and the blue dress which for some reason they weren't supposed to wear blue yeah but they made an exception for atomic shakespeare yeah you know and why was Sybil wearing blue i thought we weren't allowed to wear blue on the show (laughs) I'm a terrorist. You figure the costume was so heavy that the least you could do is make it blue. So she throws the bat and unfortunately hits the horse, which picks up two of the suitors and throws them onto the fountain. Yeah, so Cole Meany begins to laugh and she appears behind him and steps on his foot and then gives him a good punch in the nose and then slightly blows on him and knocks him over into the pond. (laughs) And I love how she cleans her hands after it. Yeah. And it's funny because in the in the commentary, Sybil says she remembers doing that. Oh, I remember that gesture. And it, yes, know, and it's good how in the 16th century, a woman would turn around and go, "Man, <laughs> I know, I love it." But the dialogue is just so great, all of it with the you know animals, three blind mice, and each line just kind of leads to the next, and it's just so poignant to the scene and everything else. It's just so well written. She calls out for her father and. She is not happy because she knows what he's up to, to try and get her married off. So makes way for his little angel. No, so little Bianca can be married. Mm. He's letting them know this is not going to happen. Well, father, never. Never. Yeah. I love how they back up, you know, when she's walking towards them, you know, they're backing up. Oh, and I was going to say that that cracks me up. He, poor Kenny McMillan, he literally looks scared as he yeah, backs yeah, back. And not only does he back back, he backs back over a step. So he actually gets up. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. You know, getting back as far away from her as they can. And one of my favorite moments when uh, Katrina starts walking away and Bianca says, sister. And that line, sister, father, Padua, go us the hell out hell. <laughs> like I say that to myself a lot. <laughs> I love that line. That was, that's, you know, some of these lines stick with us. That's one that just sticks with me, you know. It's the best. It. So good. It is the best when um, Bianca has an unusual outburst and exclaims. Sister, everyone knows that were jealous of me. I mean, far be it from me to rush you, as only you will know when you found the right man. She backtracks on her. She starts kind of letting her sister have it, but, you know, that's not going to fly with Katarina. Very fiery woman. But I tell you what, Sybil screamed really loud there. I love it. After she says, Sister, father, Padua, goest thou to hell? 
She turns around, which starts a domino effect with the men in the row because she pushes one and, and they all go tumbling down. But I noticed a goop, Shauna. You did? Mm-hmm. So when she pushes the guys to form the domino effect, it's not the same place. They all fall down. So okay. in one cut, she pushes them down, and then the next cut is a wide shot of them falling down. Yeah, okay. The all place right. they fall down is where Katarina walks off and does the witch movement, the crisscross. Yeah, uh, yeah. So she pushes them in one spot, but when they fall down, it's another spot. Okay. Oh, my God. I don't know what happened there. Yeah. And when she walks away, where are they? Right? Because they're not there anymore on the ground. When yes, she walks that's away. right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yes. So that's true because they should be, she should be walking past them or they should be behind her as she's walking away, but they're not. And the other thing was that when they all fall down, Lucentio is behind them, but in the next shot, Lucentio is standing in the wrong place to continue the scene. Okay. (laughs) That's funny. The other thing I noticed too was um, when Katerina goes to walk away from her father, the door behind her is open, but when Baptista and Bianca go to walk off, the door is closed. Oh, okay. You can have a look at that. Love it. Yeah, and I love the music score as certain things happen in the scene as well. The music's used really well in this episode, especially when she does the witchy sound. The music's like boom, boom, boom. (laughs) Yes, the music really accompanies a lot of the movements and what's happening in the scenes. And some music jokes, some that lasted and some that haven't in the Hulu. So now that Lucencio's seen a little bit more, He's wondering what kind of man could be a mate for Katerina. This man doth come along once in a blue moon. <laughs> we have to mention blue moon, don't we? <laughs> I love how they work all that stuff in and references. The task, alas, to find a mate to weather Kate's typhoon. But where? Such a man doth come along but once in a blue moon. And then you hear trumpet sound. <laughs> I love the trumpets. So good. Yeah. Yes. And as always, Bruce slash Petruchio has to make yeah. a grand entrance. And a grand entrance he does. Yes, he absolutely does. Here he comes on horseback. With a BMW logo on the saddle. The best joke. <laughs> that is great. And the sunglasses and all those things. Yeah. Now, um, a couple music changes, as they love to do. I Am an Old Cowhand also plays there. So there's like a trumpet. You know, and then, but I mean, you know how Moonlighting does, they'll, it plays for three seconds or something like that, you know, just as very short, sure. which is taken out, I believe. Of course, I have to look at our book, Grace. Oh, yeah. Uh, get my book. Grace has an actual copy of the book. I don't yet, but um, I'll be home in a week and I'll get mine then. But uh, I have an old cow hand was replaced in the Hulu evolution along with another song later. The rest are there. So, yeah, they, they took out that little. Tiny music interlude. Well, and they replaced Close to You as well when we get to it. But um, all the rest are there. Green Sleeves, Powerhouse. Yeah. I'm glad they kept yeah. Powerhouse. That's great. You can't change that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, no. And Powerhouse comes up in so many Moonlighting episodes. It does. I mean, Bruce whistles it a lot or it's played or so. Can't replace that. Anyway, yeah, how great is that? The BMW logo, Bruce with his signature shades on, and they've got him on the horse and all the funny things. And, of course, yeah. he has to say something not Shakespearean. <laughs> What's shaking, y'all? Mm-hmm. Something very Addison, I guess, or Bruce Willis. 
Fill her up, lad. Clean the buds out of her teeth. Like he's parking at a petrol station. Yeah, that's funny. Okay, and then he starts quoting from different Shakespeare plays and everyone has to let him know, wrong play, <laughs> to be or not to be. <laughs> that is the question, wrong play. <laughs> yeah. To be or not to be is from Hamlet. And then he says, now is the winter of our discontent made glorious and he gets cut off and that's from Richard III. It's a famous opening line. And then he says, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. And that's from Julius Caesar, which is Mark Antony's first line. So yeah. great. I should have put that in the book. I like those little, I like that. Yeah, references. I forgot about that. <laughs> There's a lot of things we've realized that aren't in the book, but but it's the best, isn't it? When he takes out his script. So good. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. I can't stop laughing. This is such a good episode. Corona <laughs> for a while. I take my leave. To be or not to be. That is the question. Wrong claim. Now is the winter of our discontent. Made glorious. Wrong play. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Yes. <laughs> Finally. Corona for a while. I take my leave. He's Finally on. Yeah, well, they take off. Yeah, take... <laughs> yeah, it's great. And then he's got a long monologue, and he has to look at the audience and say, "Didn't think I could pull it off, did you?" <laughs> We are all waiting to see how they do with the iambic pentameter. Yep. I love it. Breaking the fourth wall again, looking at the camera. And then he notices a girl. I've put in brackets, the girl with the famous line. Bruce said this was his most oft quoted line. When men come up to him, they say, Zounds, what mounds? Zounds, what mounds? So he chases her around the roast, grabs her and kisses her and, you know, she slaps him in the face and he starts doing his macho thing here to show off, you know, picking up the roast and taking a huge bite and then he throws it away and and then he grabs a keg and drinks from that and throws that away. But unfortunately he drops it in front of some men. They're not happy with that, therefore swords appear. Yes. And it's on for young and old. Yes, and he has a sword, and he takes a sword out, and here mm. they go. A little sword fight. Let me see the sounds what Mounds Girl there in the background strategically placed. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. He gets him down on the ground and Petruchio throws his sword away. I love the sound effect when he does that, though. Yeah, is that Stooges? Seem like I've yeah, there's just sound effects for everything. It's so good. But it's not over yet. Three not ninjas yet. appear out of nowhere. <laughs> so funny. 
and uh, he disposes of them nicely as well. But while this is going on, Lucentio is hiding safely behind the fountain. Yeah. <laughs> and then after it's over, he says, Jesus, is there a fellow in all the land more hale and hearty than this? He's so good. Yeah, like you were saying, they're having him do all the macho things to just show, like, what a man he is, you know, and this man, you know, he's so outrageous. He knows he's met the match, and uh, he's got to tell him more about what's happening. Petruchio does say that he's there to wed, so it's all fitting in perfectly. Yeah, he begins to explain the reason why he's arrived in Padua, and he takes his glasses off and he puts them on his on his neckline. I think that's funny. To wit, a major plot point cometh. Yeah. I come to wive it wealthily in Padua, and if wealthily, then happily, and if she hath no diseases, then healthily in Padua. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and the next lot of dialogue is just so, so funny between Lucentio and Petruchio. But Bruce and Curtis have some exceptional chemistry together, especially in this episode. I just really love their scenes together. Didst I hear I come to wide it wealthily in Padua? Pray, sir, yea, sir, I dare say I did say. Yea, sir, you do say you did say? Yea, I say, but why do you bray? Do not gainsay what I say that we may make headway. I foray this way that I may be home ere midday. Who rain for this day and the words that you say? And forgive my display, but I have something to say. Then without further delay, I say, fire away. Do bears beareth? Do bees beareth? And he goes, yeah. what? Wouldst thou be interested? Wouldst? Does bears beareth? The bees beareth? Say it what? <laughs> what? And I love when they say, you know, let's go to a tavern and I'll tell you yeah. more about this. Yeah. And, uh, Petruchio says, I left my wallet in my other pantaloons. That's great. And he says, you think you can spot me five bucks? Then off to a tavern. I have a story for thee. For a tankard of ale, I'll let you tell three. I left my wallet in my other pantaloons. Yeah, just kind of shows, you know, you always get that David Addison character in there as well. Bruce said that at some point that no matter where you place David Addison, he always plays in the same, you know? Yeah. If he's in Padua, if he's in you know the 1940s, there's always an essence of the character in there. So, so now we're on to the courtship. Yep, the title card now says courtship, and Petruchio and Lucentio show up at Baptista's home. I love the no suitors sign. I know no suitors, but they do want. I mean, don't they want suitors? Because or, well, or is I that think, for? I think okay. Katarina's put that there. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I didn't think of that. I just love the detail in the set decoration. I mean, look at the door and the big door knocker. Yeah. You know? I know. It's great. They check themselves over, especially whether they have BO. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> back in those days, who knows? Yeah. So Baptista answers the door. Before Petruchio can ask for his daughter's hand in marriage, he just says, upstairs, first door on your right. <laughs> <laughs> like, just go. Just try. Yeah. <laughs> He's okay. desperate to get rid of his daughter, I yeah. think. Who you are, what, what kind of man you are, just go. Yep. Obviously a quick judge of character. <laughs> but Petruchio would like to discuss the dowry because he is confident that he will woo and wed Katerina. And Baptista says, well, sure, if you live to see tomorrow. And they both look at him when he says, A man who lives to see us tomorrow am I. Though sayest in my task, doomed be me. And both Baptista and Lucentia look at him going, what? What did you just say? I just love the joke that even in the 16th century, he's talking iambic pentameter and they still don't understand what he's saying. Yeah, right. That, that's funny. 
But one other line I like in there as well is when he says something like, you have a daughter, Katharina, um, fair and mild and something. And he goes, I have a daughter named Katharina. Pray, sir, have you not a daughter called Katharina? Fair and virtuous, modest and mild. I have a daughter called Katharina. That's it. <laughs> not the <Yeah>. other descriptions. <laughs> not fair and virtuous, modest and mild. No, no, no. I have a daughter named Katharina. Yeah. Mm, that's so. it. Lucentio goes on to um, give Patricio a big rap to Baptista, telling him that before the whole town... Signor Baptista, know you not who my master is? His name be Petruchio, who did yesterday before the whole town dispatch by himself a pig on a stick, a keg of beer, two gentlemen, and four Oriental Kung Fu masters. I love how he mm. says that. Yep. That be you? Yeah, so Baptista goes on to hug him, but Petruchio stops him and says, well, for the right price. So he gets out his scroll... And hands it to Baptista, who goes on to read it. Now, unfortunately, he's given him the wrong scroll, Shauna. And he says, that. your own Winnebago, a chance to direct, a piece of the syndication rights. He never did um, direct an episode. I wonder if he really wanted to. Was that ever mentioned anywhere? I don't know. And they were never syndicated. Uh, your own Winnebago, they both had those. Maybe I think that's more of like a typical thing that yes. actors ask for. Yeah, so then he takes that off him, hands in the right one, and then Baptista reads it. 20,000 crowns? And then you, <laughs> you hear a crash upstairs and some suitors coming down the stairs and Katerina screaming, goest thou to hell. But it's funny, two people come down the stairs, one's a male and one's a female. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that, Shauna. Oh, of course not, of course. But, yeah, we didn't know she uh, yeah. swung up. Unless that was one of her... Um, Ladies yeah. in waiting or something, you know. Also, the go us out of hell is the same recording as yeah. what, how she said it earlier. Yeah, the, yeah the so I okay. I remember watching, yeah, I was watching it. I thought, I've got to go back to that. And I forgot to go back and check the overlap recordings. Yeah. yeah. So they used and the I, same recording and just made it foggier as if she was upstairs. Yeah, I made it like further buggers. away. Cheeky buggers. Yeah, well, definitely the same cut. I've noticed that for a while now. Okay, good pickup. All right, so this is where you start hearing the music playing. Katerina is playing her piano. Yeah, is that what she's playing? In those days, I don't know what it was called, but... It almost sounds like a string instrument. Yeah, I know, but it's those old-fashioned okay. pianos, yeah. Not piano. that I'm a musician. So, of course, Baptista, he goes, soul, Godspeed, you'll need it, and he runs off. And I love it that they separate rooms with curtains. It reminds me of Poltergeist, you know, Mrs. Renborn's house. It's red curtains. <laughs> it's cute how she appears through the curtain and then... Oh, happy day. I'm off to win the fair Bianca. And uh, Lucentio and Bianca are off. They disappear for a while. As Petruchio says, somewhere in the fourth act. Go there, my friend. Till we meet again, somewhere in the fourth act. Yeah. <laughs> See you again. Yeah. And I love yeah, Bruce's not. line, and the man is the man is the man. <laughs> For I am what I am, and that's all that I am, and the man is the man is the man. Now, have you noticed that when he goes all the way past, and then there's like a cut in the frame? From when, when he comes, comes back. back to say... If you're a man, you got to love the 16th century. It's not one fluid. They've used a separate cut, basically. Why would they do that? Why can't he just walk back and say, you've got to love the 16th century? Why cut it there? I don't know. I don't know. That happens several times in Moonlighting. The dream sequence when Sybil is walking into the kitchen and she took 
too long to get in there. That's that's obvious. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's pretty obvious here. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened with that cut. Maybe they just like that take better. I guess that's the thing. I don't know if he did it more than once. They liked how he said it one way in one cut. And then they liked how he said, if you're a man, you're going to love the 16th century better. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. That could be a reason why they used a different cut. They liked it better how he said it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he's upstairs and yes, there's music coming out of Katrina's room and he goes to knock on the door, but then kind of stops. It's kind of funny. Mm, yeah. <laughs> thinking better of it for a minute, and then, but then he just knocks anyway, you know, maybe he had to gather his nerves. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen next? He's probably wondering. Anyway, he knocks on the door. The music stops. And, of course, she throws something at the door. But, you know, he persists. May I come in? You may. It matters not to you what comes of your head. (laughs) It matters not as being here proves I've lost it already, which is very true. Yep. Good lines. And a man without a head is merely redundant. That's true. (laughs) She's really down on men. Good lady, allow me to enter. I merely come to tune your instrument. My instrument is already tuned. As is mine, and ready to play. I love it. I love the double on top of here. So he looks around, and he notices the diehard axe. Actually, yeah. it's not the diehard axe yet, but it's the start of his axing career. Yes. Stolen right from Die Hard. <laughs> I don't know if you done which one comes yeah, first. I was going to say, I think it's the other way around. <laughs> I did the same thing. Does it say in case of shrew? Break glass. <laughs> he breaks the glass, grabs the axe, and begins to bash the door in. And, of course, he does his Jack Nicholson impersonation Shining. from The Shining, the movie The Shining from 1980. Instead of saying, here's Johnny. Here's Johnny. <laughs> He says, here's Petruchio. Here's Petruchio. And finally, they're in the same room together, which we always love, no matter what century. There's only one little goof here is where there's a piece of wood hanging when he puts his head through, but when he walks in, the wood has fallen off the door. Okay. Good catch. Never noticed. I am called Katerina by those who dare to speak to me. Love that line. Not by him. Call her Kate. Nay, you'll always be Kate to me. Plain Kate. And Bonnie Kate, and sometimes Kate the Cursed. But Kate, the prettiest Kate, my super dainty Kate. Then he starts to sing his little Kate song. And yeah, she's the looking name, at the him name like, game. what? Yeah, she's looking at him like, like he's nuts. They have to get a joke in about, you're no singer. What purpose bringeth you? Who are you? Certainly no singer. You know, they're always like kind of goofing on Bruce for not having a good voice. Like in knowing and her, it's like, you're not going to sing, are you? You're not going <laughs> to sing, are you? <laughs> As he ends the song, he throws his axe away and you hear that great sound effect again. So good. Yes. She doesn't believe that he's the piano tuner that he claimeth to be. There's so much innuendo in this scene. It's just so good. Though I wish it were amongst my talents to play piano for you. That's so don't. Good. a good line. No tuner I. <laughs> no tuner I, which uh, was a line that they would say to each other for like five or six episodes afterwards. They would say like, no tuner I. Which mm. I just totally. Them. I remember after this yeah. episode, no tuner I. We, we said that for like five episodes. It's funny yeah. how that line stuck with them. Yeah, they thought that was funny, and that line stuck with them, and they yeah. would say it while making other episodes and stuff. I love those. I love those little like behind the scenes things. Yeah, it's great to know all that stuff. Tis a sad state indeed. You're the only man I know who suffers from pianist envy because <laughs> no tuner I. 
Patricio's face when she says that is priceless. He doesn't actually say anything. I know. And then she's swinging that metal thing over his head, which I would love to know if that really is a metal thing because she's really swinging it hard. I know. And Bruce says in the commentary that that's a real metal thing she's swinging right there, folks. <laughs> but whether it was or not, who knows? But um, get out now while you still have that which you hold dear. <laughs> and let it remove you as well. Um, on the line, like so much overstuffed furniture, if you look on the wall on the fireplace, above the fireplace, you can yep. see a bike come in. The shadow of a boom mic comes in oh. and you can see it reflected on the fireplace. I didn't pick that up. Yep. The only thing I did pick up is it seems to be a handheld camera that's chasing them around the piano. And then oh, no. when they get back to when she says unhand me, it's back to the still, you know, normal camera. Yeah, they're definitely like chasing them around. It's such a small room too. You know, it's like them. Mm. Yeah, the camera, the boom mic operator. I'm surprised we didn't get, you know, more shadows and things, but. There we are. I love the unhand me joke, how he like shakes her hand. Uh, I'll try, but I don't think they'll come off, you know. As tis widely said, this is widely writ. If I be furniture, then you'll always have a place to sit. So she sits on his lap and she says, Let go, unhand me. I'll try, but I don't think they'll come off. (laughs) (laughs) So they have a bit of a struggle because he says, I want you to be my wife. And she's like, your wife? Are you kidding me? Soak with your head. Apparently he's a prime specimen of manhood and therefore clearly dominant over you. Go soak with your head. It swells beyond measure. Aye, and proudly. <laughs> I know, the, like you say, the amount of innuendo they fit in here and the, the amount of like little in-jokes and the writing is great. Absolutely. That's where it all starts, but how they pull it off. Yes. They make it look so easy and it goes so fast and it's one, like you miss all of this. You have to watch the scene. Over and over to understand. Yeah. To like get all of it. Yeah, it's amazing. But I like the line, um, tis my will to marry you, my lady. And where there's a will, she says, there's a won't. And she stumps on him. Right. Tis my will to marry you, my lady. And where there's a will, there's a will. That's something I say all the time. You know, where there's a will, there's a hundred relatives. That's my my line. (laughs) (laughs) And then she has throwing vases. It's really funny. A wall of throwing vases. I want to know who replaces them for her once she's used them up because she would use up a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I do that a lot. That's just the last one. Oh, no, awesome. hang on, hang on. I've written here, what about the sign, Shauna? Is it prop department writing? Mm. The throwing well, vases. No, I mean, they've done it in a different font for the time, though. Yeah, they have, haven't they? It's not the usual font, but yes. All right, so he's trying to avoid being hit. And that's when he says, this is getting interesting. So meanwhile, a crowd is growing outside as they hear the noise coming from within the Baptista household. Katerina throws the last one. And when she throws the last one, he catches it. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you no other suitor did that. So now she realizes there's no more vases to throw and she runs out of the room and he's loving it. He's like, tally-ho. And um, he's loving the chase. So the music begins. As he chases her down the stairs, I love the set decoration of that room with the stairs, especially the wide shot and the couch of that period too, the circular couch. Honestly, James Agassi did an exceptional job with the set decoration in this episode. And not only this episode, (laughs) all the episodes that he did of Moonlighting, the wide shot of this scene, you know, like the staircase, the use of Petruchio going up the stairs and, you know, doing his dialogue. It's just a great setup. 
It's visually eye candy. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, I like that too, yeah. Shauna and I would love you to come and join our Moonlighting community. You can follow our Moonlighting the Podcast Facebook page. You can also follow us on Twitter at moon underscore podcast 85 as well as our YouTube channel. You can also join our Moonlighting the Podcast Facebook group where we talk about everything moonlighting. What could be better than that? I love their dialogue here about the wasp. Like an angry bee, better as I look at you, a wasp. I was around like an angry bee, better as I look at you, a wasp. If I be waspish, best beware my sting. Love that line. Yes, to pluck it out. Hey, if the yeah. fool could find it. But I love how Bruce climbs over the couch. I know. Gosh. They were young, right? Yes. <laughs> he did a good job. He yeah. loved being his own stuntman. Yeah, he definitely flopped around. Now, um, my question is, I always wonder, instead of running back up the stairs, they run off camera, you know? Thank you. Yes, I was just going to say the same thing. Maybe there's back stairs? There must have, I don't know. Like, they end up back upstairs again. So, yeah. How? Yeah, she goes to the side and all of a sudden she's back in the corridor to her bedroom. We just yeah, yeah, assume yeah. that there's backstairs or something. I suppose they couldn't have her running up the stairs again. They didn't want to do that. Yeah, they probably so, don't want to do that. Yeah, good pickup. And from the commentary, Bruce, when he saw the stairs, he goes, oh, yeah, who who directed this? Will McKenzie, let's go up and down the stairs one more time. So, yeah, <laughs> maybe they didn't want to run up the stairs, especially with the dress and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, actually, with that dress, she would have had to lift it up to go upstairs, wouldn't she? Yeah, that would have been hard. Yeah, so probably best how they did it and just assume there's a back staircase that leads back up to her bedroom. The other thing was, too, yeah, she's running down the corridor and opens the door to her room, but in the next cut, Patricio is right behind her. How is that possible? So he was nowhere near her when she opened the door, but in the next cut, she opens the door and he's right behind her? (laughs) Yes, he got up there very fast, didn't he? The physicality of them, how he like grabs her, throws her on the ground, they're wrestling around and all that stuff, which I know it's body double for most of that was Sybil and maybe him. But yes, I, again, <laughs> we both just love this episode. But when he pins her down and she's like, your dagger. Dagger. Maybe thou art mistaken. A gentleman never unsheaths his dagger before he is married. Always like the double entendres. And, and I love, Actually, they're both laughing here because Bruce does point out, you know, like Sybil's laughing with him on top of her like that, Yes. you know, and uh, he's laughing too. <laughs> well, she thought laughing like you're laughing here. You're laughing. <laughs> and I love how the body double when he's on top of her and she's on her back, the lighting is different on her face. So you can't actually see, but you can sort of tell it's not Sybil, but I like how they just adjust the lighting so that it's not so obvious. Yeah. And the doubles are good about like keeping their faces kind of to the mm. side more where, yes, anytime Sybil is there, we always see her face, part of her face or full face. Yeah, of course. Like those are the money shots, right? <laughs> and then Katerina goes to the door and this is where we end up back outside. So the inside was the Fox lot. So when they go outside down the stairs, that's universal. All of a sudden they're in a different place, Shauna. I know. Is that funny? And Two body doubles fall down the stairs, but then it's Sybil and Bruce climbing back up the stairs for most of it yes. anyway, I think. Yeah. Is that Chris Howell falling down the stairs and Beth? Yeah, that's what's me in there. It's Beth, yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's so well done. And you're right. The body doubles are really good at hiding their faces. But, yep. you know, you, you wouldn't know if you weren't paying that much attention. It's really well done. And it all goes um, so fast. 
Yeah, so Katerina tries to go back up the stairs, but he grabs her and says, give them what they want. Kiss me, Kate, and we will wed on Sunday. <laughs> Boy, is she angry. I love her growl, Sean. I love her growl. No, we will not. Not now. Not to Sunny. Not next Sunny. Not any Sunny from now until the end of time. <laughs> love it. Yeah. <laughs> you can just... almost see like, Bruce and Sybil like, coordinating that, you know, that. You know, they like stop mid-anger. Yeah, it's cute. Very cute. But I tell you what, Patricio is so confident and persistent. He's a real David Addison. I just love him. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect David Addison in another century. And the take on the Maddie character being hard to tame kind of thing. Mm. It's the perfect of the show. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Lena said how many times this was really the basis of Moonlighting, Taming of the Shrew, you yeah. know? When Glenn told her they were going to actually do Taming of the Shrew, she said, You're great in this episode. Thank you. I didn't appreciate it at the time. Well, no, I, that's the thing. I remember you more than anyone was upset about it, sort of doing this. Yeah, and because I said, when you came to me about doing the most brilliant idea you ever had of doing Taming of the Shrew, I said, who is going to play the shrew? <laughs> actually, I remember what you said to me was, you said to me, that sounds hard. Why do we have to do that? I did. <laughs> yes, you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why do we have to do that? That sounds hard, which... Like we said, who would want to learn Shakespeare in a week? She seemed like she did have a little bit of a problem at the time, you know, that Kate was somebody, a woman that um, was being married off against her will and the whole like taming of this woman and whatever. As we know, in the end, the tables are kind of turned, but it's the perfect translation for Moonlighting. I mean, it's just the perfect like thing for them to do. Okay. So then they have the ticker tape parade, which then transitions in front of the church, which is great. You see the newspaper, Kate to marry today. Men of Padua rejoice. (laughs) Exactly, because now they have a clear path to Bianca, who's going to be with uh, Lucentio. But um, let me talk about this church for a minute. Sure. All right. St. John's Episcopal Cathedral, which is at 514 West Adams Boulevard in Los Angeles. Same church. Oh, that makes total sense now. Same church they used in All Creatures. And... Oh, God, that's so funny. I, I just put that together, Grace, that these episodes were filmed back to back. So, of course, they're going to use the same church. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So, yeah, of course, they're going to use the same church. Okay, so this church is the same church they use in All Creatures. They just film it from a different angle. In All Creatures, you see more of the altar. That's more of the focus, the big, like, white stone altar. And Maddie goes into the confessional and all that stuff. In Atomic, you see more of the back of the church and the pews and things like that. It's more of that. And like anything on an angle, close up. Yeah, kind of on an angle to make it look smaller. Yeah. And it's lit differently with candles and things like that for Atomic and all creatures. It's lit mm-hmm. a lot bright, like more brightly. So, oh my God, that's so fun. Like that just dawned on me that those episodes were filmed basically at the same time. So but Jay says this church is by USC. And Bruce starts saying, oh yeah, I filmed, you know, the kid there. And, and I think this is the church that we used for the last episode, but Bruce is wrong. That's not the church. This is not the same church that they used for Lunar Eclipse. And it's not the same church they used for Disney, the kid. That is another church that's in a different part of the town anyway. Um, what well, are you saying? He's wrong about the kid. Yes. Bruce is thinking of another church. Bruce is thinking of the church that they used for Lunar, but that's not this church. Yeah. Cause Lunar, I'm looking at our book, Lunar Eclipse. Yeah. The church used is First Congressional Church in South Commonwealth, Los Angeles. Yeah. I've been to that church many times. I've been there for services. I've been there to visit. I've been there like probably three or four times. 
this one here was used for atomic and all creatures. Yeah. And I looked up Disney's the kid a while ago and yeah, they used the other church, the one that was used for lunar. So okay. Bruce is mixing up the two churches. Yeah. So he's not correct in the commentary. They're in two different locations in Los Angeles, but anyway. Thanks for that little bit of trivia, Shauna. That's great. And yes, I have visited this church as well. This church is really beautiful. Both churches are really beautiful. If you're in Los Angeles, visit them. Yeah. And it's just so cool to stand there and be like, yeah, this is where they filmed Atomic and All Creatures. And then it's really, not that Lunar Eclipse is our favorite episode or anything, but um, it's fun to be in the church and just be like, they were just sitting there and they were filming, you know, just to picture it. Yeah, it's fun. Mm. So. Yeah, it yeah. does look beautiful from the outside and inside. Yeah. Yeah. Both very much worth a visit. All right. So you see the ticker tape parade and people celebrating the pending nuptials. And that's when you see the paper, Kate to Marry Today, Manor of Padua Rejoice. Then you see all the extras in front of the church waiting to get in. And the camera pans down from the top of the church. And our Zounds What Mounds girl is there again behind Kenny. <laughs> now, did you notice something that Kenny said? What did he say? Well, one of the suitors comes up to him and says, it's a fine match, a fine match. In other words, Petruchio and Katerina are made for each other. And Kenny says, okay, Colm. Oh. Mm. Did he call him his real name? You called him by his real name, yeah. Oh, never noticed that, Grace. Now, the thing about Colm Meany is that He's in a lot of it at the start. You see him run into the church. Later, you don't see him at all in the church. He's not yeah. there. And sometimes you might see him in the background, but I think there's a lot of scenes. I think he obviously did what he had to do and, and left. And then the person that comes up to Baptista and, and he says, okay, Colm, I don't even know yeah. if that's him because you don't see his face. Wow. Interesting. No, it's interesting. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to know that. Yeah. But I thought yeah, that was yeah. funny how he's just gone, oh, okay, Colm. <laughs> like, hang on a minute. That's, that's his real name. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that kind of speaks to him at the time, having some trouble with the lines and things like that. Yeah, he's just said his real name, which, you know what, doesn't matter. Yeah. It wasn't really that noticeable. He says it sort of under his breath. But it's even in the subtitles. I checked. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's interesting. Love it. Bianca walks up to her father and says, is my sister here yet? And he says, she waits anxiously inside. I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> no, 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 no. She sure doesn't. She's inside. She's all tied up, Shauna. Oh, my gosh. Watch over her mouth as the priest looks at his sundial watch. <laughs> what a great addition. What a great prop. His sundial watch inside. <laughs> so Funny. good. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. His sundial watch inside. Yeah, that's right. Sybil hated being tied up here. But in the commentary, she said she doesn't anymore. No, she got over that now. She, li <laughs> she likes being tied up. <laughs> but um, here, she really hated being tied up. And Bruce was like having some empathy for her. Like, oh, poor Sybil. God, for God, Sybil. Poor baby. I think those things were just laid around you. And, right, they didn't really have you tied up on this day. It felt like I was tied yeah. up for real. Yeah. So the priest signals Quasimodo, which we assume is Quasimodo, and they say in the commentary, six hour makeup. <laughs> yeah, 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 six hours of makeup. Says, to sound yeah. the church bells. And as he does, he exclaims, Sanctuary, Sanctuary, which is if anybody has watched 
The Hunchback of Notre Dame with Charles Lawton. Mm-hmm. Very old movie. Um, can't remember what year it was. I think it was 1930-something. Anyway, he's trying to save the woman who's just about to be killed in the square. It's just a famous scene in that movie where he goes up and down with the bell and screams out sanctuary. So it's just a just an okay. homage to that movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sanctuary. So what does sanctuary mean then? It's just, it's just an homage to the movie. That's what well, he said he, in the movie. That's why. Charles Lawton actually says that as he's, you know, he wants sanctuary. Okay. You know what? You got to watch the movie. So yeah, I really like how they pr- dressed the priest as well. He was really good. He didn't even have to say anything, this guy. <laughs> It was really funny. Okay, so the residents of Padua rejoice as they hear the bells and they all rush in to get a seat. And this is where you see Colmini run in, but after that you don't see him anymore. Baptista walks Bianca to her seat and kisses her on the hand. And then he walks over to the altar to stand next to Katerina, but he almost trips on the carpet because of his costume. Did you see that? I saw that. Oh, my gosh, that stressed me out. Like, this man is older. And then his foot caught on the carpet and pulled it up and he managed to step over it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that stressed me out. I was like, yeah, don't trip. But he was professional and just kept going. He didn't stop. He just kept going. But that's a little pickup. If you have a look at the floor, you see him when he steps up. He doesn't trip, but his foot gets caught in the carpet as he gets up the step. That's funny that they use that. You know, it's like, okay, we talk about how they use a different cut, you know, for Bruce when he just steps back and says, if you're a man, you're going to love the 16th century. But then like they use that cut of him tripping over the carpet, you know? Yeah. You know what? I don't think anybody noticed. Maybe. They probably saw it when they were editing and then they're too late now. (laughs) They didn't watch it a hundred times and go back and forth and back and forth and (laughs) and watch it like second. (laughs) No, they're not Grace and Shauna. I see. Okay. Okay. No, this is the eighties. Yes. Where they had to get this thing cut and out for a, a specific date. Like, yeah, they were mm. time crunched. So yeah, they're not noticing everything that we're noticing now with our pause and fast forward, rewind and all that. But you know what? I really like Baptista's costume too. It was absolutely beautiful. Really good. So with Kenny McMillan, um, his career goes back to 1970. He had a role, uh, an unaccredited role in Serpico, 1973. He was a commissioner in Dog Day Afternoon in 1978. I think people mainly know him from True Confessions in 1981. He played Detective Frank Crotty. And also in 1981, he played Willie Conklin in Ragtime. He also played Michael Schlumberg in 1984 in Amadeus. He was Baron Vladimir in June 1984. He was in Runaway Train as well in 1985. So he's been in a lot. Oh, and also, yes, <laughs> he was also in Murder, She Wrote in 1987. He played coach Kevin Caldwell. And uh, spoiler alert, he was the murderer. Ah. Just letting you know that because I love that episode. So prior to becoming an actor, he was a manager at Gimbel's department store. Well, that was mentioned in a Moonlighting episode, Gimbel's. Hmm. And then he decided to go into acting and he had his film debut at 41. Wow. And that's Good when he was in um, Serpico. He also had a recurring role in um, Rhoda, Valerie Harper's show, 1974. Which show or movie is Bruce imitating when he says, I like to eat Chinese after a good homicide? Yeah, I think that's from True Confessions. True Confessions, okay. Because he's a yeah. detective in that. Okay, I see. Can you 
True Confessions, by the way. True Confessions, Ragtime. I always yeah. feel like I always feel like Chinese act. I see a good homicide. But he imitates him really well too, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, I think so. They're waiting for Petruchio to show up. I guess it's been about three hours, and everyone's asleep, and Katrina's sleeping on the altar, and everybody else is kind of like really bored and playing paper, scissor, rock. And her father says, "What? What causes a man to be this late to his own wedding?" And the uh, the priest is like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, <laughs> you know." I've written here. I love the gesture that the priest makes. He's basically <laughs> looking at Kate. In other words, that's why because of Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so good, so good. But finally he arrives on horseback in the church. Yes, and he's still wearing his shades. And Baptista yes. screams at him saying the wedding was supposed to start three hours ago. <laughs> and Petruchio says, The lights were against me. <laughs> but where be that blushing bridal mine? The moment of truth, it's love, it's magic. Mm. Yes. Well, he really is just the perfect match for her, isn't he? He just is such a force. And she's a force. And she's a force. And that's what she needs. You know, you can't match a wimp with this woman. Mm. No, he's the perfect. Yeah, he just plays it so well. Also, want to mention, they don't talk about in the commentary, but I have heard before, I had heard before, um, that Bruce had a fever this day. And he was actually sick while they were filming the church. I'm surprised they didn't mention that in the commentary. Yeah, it's Um, not in the atomic commentary. It's in another one. And I just can't think what it is right now. So I always kind of try to see that on him. But, you know, yeah. still, he might look yeah. a little bit flush, maybe. Yeah, but... he does. He does look flushed. Apparently he had a 100-degree fever. And yep. if you really look at him, he does not look well. Yeah, his face is very red. Yeah. But he's still singing that song. And they the... asked him how many times it took. He said that he only did it a couple of times, singing the song. It wasn't In that church takes to get it right. How many times did we do that number, Bruce? Do you remember? Just a couple. Yeah, I don't think Just it was a couple. Many. He says something about his harp. You know, he plays a harmonica. The harp was stuck in his pants. I don't know. He says something about like, I had to find that harp or I don't know. I can never understand what he's saying in the commentary about him pulling out the harmonica to play it. Oh, I didn't notice that. It's like the harmonica is like in the waistband. So I think Bruce is saying like, I had to find that harp, like pull it out, play it at the right time. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's another question is, um, was Good Love and written in there or did they decide on that song later? How now can it be? Is this vision mine eyes witness truly be my beloved? And she attempts to scream at him. How well she does look in bondage. <laughs> yeah. They're already thinking that way, huh? She screams again and and he says, Pardon, sweet? What was it thou sayest, my sweet? She screams <laughs> as he takes off the cloth around her mouth and she says, I'll watch you hang in hellfire. <laughs> and he covers her up. It covers up again. Padre, I can wait no longer. Mm. So how is this? Is this the quickest ceremony in history? <laughs> of course, they have to get through it, otherwise she's not going to last. And I love how he sneakily says, you know, I doth for Katerina in high-pitched voice. I love the part where the priest goes to Katerina's side of the ceremony to ask her the question, and all the people in the pews go, Ooh, and they all move forward. <laughs> yes. How do they we'll think this stuff up, Shauna? It's just little things, though. It's little things, yeah. but they really, yeah. they're just so funny. And the timing yeah. of it, too, where it's put, so good. 
I know they're so good with comedy hitting all those uh, notes and he pulls off the thing off her mouth so they can kiss. Bruce says Sybil's laughing there again. Sybil says she always laughs when Bruce kissed her, which is kind of true. <laughs> it is true. Yeah. And they're married. It's what we always want to see with these characters. We want to see them married. And it kind of plays out that way here, you know, in a strange way, but still kind of satisfying to see them get married. And Patricia exclaims, a little honeymoon music, Sachmo. One, two, three. <laughs> yes. Now, yeah, th- this whole good loving thing is, I think, Glenn is one of his like shining moments. I think he just loves, he mentioned it on the podcast with us. And he mentioned that specifically when we were asking him some of the good memories. And he's like, oh, the good loving scene. And I think this is just one of Glenn's specifically, but, you know, some of their favorite moments in the show. I think it's a special moment for them. Here's my favorite part. Any excuse to have Sybil or Bruce sing a song? (laughs) Look at that. It's great. Well, I think it's a special moment for us to watch it, you know. It's great to watch. Very unique. Yeah, it's great. I love the band's costumes too. (laughs) It's so cute. It's very cute. Again, like, you know, the audience with the hands and the yeah, 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 you know. Well, just, I was just going to say, if yeah, you watch Curtis, yeah, Curtis I know. Slash, slash Lucentio, he's really getting into it. He's like Curtis. moving his arms from, and his face, it's, oh, he's really having a good time. They're all having a good time singing it. Curtis commits, you know. No, they look like they're having a blast. So and, Yeah, and this is where the Zounds What Mounds girl gets her own cut. She's dancing. And then you yeah. see Quasimodo dancing as well. It's just so good. It's just hilarious. Song ends, but Petruchio says, one more time. And he carries his bride out. She's not having fun. Everyone else is having fun, Grace. She's not having fun. <laughs> the poor thing. And it's in the commentary that he says when he picks her up, there, not there. There, not there. So one is civil and one isn't. One is civil and one isn't. Not there. <laughs> if her face is not showing on camera, it's not Sybil. You see her bum? That's not Sybil. No, anything from behind, over the shoulder, or anything like that. Not there. Thank you for listening to Atomic Shakespeare Part 1. Join us next week for Part 2. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to, to Moonlighting, Moonlighting the Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.